Hello, welcome to The Small Screen, a weekly TV podcast. I'm Max Kennedy. Joining me on the other line to discuss the best shows of 2021 is Denise Luca. Yes, I am. Hi, everyone. Hi, Max. Well, we made it. We got through 2021. Now we're ready to talk our top five lists. I'm so excited. I've been working on this, Max, and I've rearranged it a few times, the list. But um, And I also built one up to, you know, 10 most favorite shows of 2022. But because I ramble, I've cut it down to five. And <laughs> yeah, I can't hard, wait right? to get into it. So I was going to say, yeah. I have my list was huge too, and I had to cut it back. Do you think 2021 mm. is better than 2020 as a TV viewing year? Mm. I'd say that a couple of gems came out of 2021, mm. um, different drama, which I think we'll discuss as we go through them. But I, yeah, I think it was a better year. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think COVID really knocked 2020 sort of out of the out of the running. Yeah. And then a lot of those shows that were held back mm. came into 2021, plus the show's already slated for 2021. So, yes. Yeah. Just looking through my list, massive heaps of shows. And those are just the shows I like. So, yes. And then there's heaps that, which we'll probably talk about, that didn't even, yeah, make my top five. There'll be some honorable mentions. Yeah. All right. Well, we should dive in. Yeah. Dive into our top fives of the year. So yes. you've got five, I've got five. We haven't seen each other's lists. Mm-mm. Possibly there'll be some crossover. I'm not sure, actually. I don't know, Max. I'm looking at my list now thinking <laughs> he probably has one, maybe two. <laughs> I found and, it really, um, really hard. It mm. was very, I was like thinking of this list, you know, in the shower, making the beds, <laughs> like going, mm-hmm, why did I like this more than the other one? Like it just, it took me a while. It's an interesting list because I had to sift through and I kept on remembering other dramas that I watched in the year thinking, oh no, yes. What about this one? Yeah. Oh, no, what about Vigil? Or what, like so all these different kind of like series. But in the end, I had to focus on what made me um, kind of other either binge the series mm. because it was so intriguing and I wanted to keep going or there was something unique about it that had like the emotional strings going and I had to focus on the emotional impact mm. and, or the like the kind of the pace of it and how much like wanting to watch more and more, right? Like the, yeah. the addictive part of it. Good segue. What's your number five? My number five is Mystery in Between season mm. three. Mm. Nice. That is the Fox Fox local production. It is. I should tell people that I focus on things that were not just launches. I I have included returning series, and this is mm. one of them. Me too. Um, which I think most people will know as that dark comedy drama about a hitman called Ray Shoesmith, who is also a father and has a heart and does some nice things for his family and friends. <laughs> um, on the side while his main gig is to kind of kill crims. Um, has a very kind of like a Dexter or Barry vibe, mm. but it's it's a bit darker than those. I think the best thing about this series was Scott Ryan, who plays Ray Shoesmith. Yeah. He's just he's just unique. He's raw. He he also wrote the series, which is highly impressive to be able to write a series and then reprise the role of your main character. Although you could see that there's that hesitancy about him playing Mm. the role, which I like. Yeah. Um, He's such a authentic voice. Yes. Which is really what, I don't know. That's kind of what you want in a TV show. Yes, exactly. You can have as many medical dramas, legal dramas as you want, but you kind of want, yeah. Especially for those smaller shows that are sort of centered on, one character, which there might be a few of those in our lists. But, yeah, like yes. like Barry, you want sort of that authentic voice and just give them a platform to exactly. tell a story and do whatever they want really. Exactly. And the voice of a flawed hero, so to speak, mm. someone different, not just your protagonist and your antagonist and whatever, but someone who's grey, right, mm. you really should like but you end up liking anyway. <laughs> and the finale with this one, the series finale was, I think, one of the most subtle but impactful finales I've ever seen. I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, and I highly recommend this one. If you haven't already watched it, listeners, get into it. There's only three series, um, but it's one of the best of the last few years, actually, for me. So, yeah. What's yours, Max? Well, my number five, speaking yes. of authentic voices, uh, I think you should leave season two. 
huh. which is <laughs> pretty different to yeah. uh, Mr. Inbetween, I'd say. But this is the second season of the Netflix sketch comedy series from Tim Robinson, mm-hmm. um, which, I, yeah, I think it's like the funniest show I've watched all year mm-hmm. or in years, basically. Uh, wow. For those that don't know, Tim Robinson was a sketch com- he's a sketch comedian. Uh, he was on SNL as a writer and then later became sort of one of their featured players. Didn't uh, continue with SNL. Not sure if he left, fired. And watching the first two seasons of this show, it's pretty clear why when you kind of compare them to SNL. Like these sketches are so absurd. Like awesome. you just have like each each sketch is in a way based around a character who does something awkward or is trying to fit in or has made a fool of themselves. And then it's just sort of, that's like the start. And then they just keep doubling down, doubling down on the premise until it just gets out of hand and absurd. Yeah. And yeah, on paper, if they, if he were to pitch any of these on SNL, I don't think any of them would ever <laughs> make it to the light of day. But Netflix, it just works perfectly. Yeah, I mean, Netflix um, gives a green light to just about anything, right? So, <laughs> With good reason. This is some funny stuff. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's uh like I don't. I think it's really hard to talk about comedy shows <laughs> like on a deeper level, which is we kind of focus on drama quite a bit. It's yeah. yeah, it's kind of hard to describe a comedy sketch, but a general premise of a guy on a work trip that spent his whole per diem on buying t-shirts so he can't uh, like afford to eat or drink or anything, which is sort of the starting point. Which is a funny yeah. premise in its way, but I if you if that was to be pitched on SNL, you're like I don't know where that could possibly go. But in this show, it just is such it's like yeah, such an absurd, funny thing that just keeps you go down that rabbit hole of that idea until it's just ridiculous. And Max, did you say there are two seasons of this one? Yeah, two seasons. And are they long episodes? Are they half hour like snack size, or are they snack size? Like- yeah, I don't even know if they're full half hours. Because oh, cool. another thing I was going to say, like it's the beauty of Netflix where I know on SNL it's an hour and a half episode, happens once a week. So mm-hmm. once the, all those, and they go through that process of, everyone knows the backstory really, that process where they're writing a bunch of sketches, only a few of them make the show and then the show comes out and everyone critiques it to death almost. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you have like maybe 10 episodes or how many episodes, the sketches are all there and it's just almost like rapid fire. So sometimes yeah. you're like, oh, that one wasn't that funny. But then you're onto the next sketch and you're onto yeah. the next episode. So there's no sort of, and they are all funny in their own way, but it mm. doesn't have that level of criticism or that pressure that I think SNL does, mm. which kind of lets Poor it, SNL. <laughs> it lets it open up and be its own thing. And I'm hoping that it wins the Emmy next year for oh, sketch wow. comedy so series. So you think this is an Emmy contender? I think so. Well, yeah, look, this year it was, uh, there's only two nominees this year. It was SNL and a Black Lady Sketch Show. Well, that's true. And yes. A Black Lady much Sketch Show probably should have won. But mm. I think, yeah, I think you should leave, should take it out. I think you should leave. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, highly do recommend. Think, do you think I'd like it, Max? Um, I was going to say you should Google there's like the prank show and there's a uh-huh. ghost to a sketch that are both on YouTube and yeah. I'd give those a watch. if. You find if you don't like either of those, I don't think you'll like the show. Okay, because it's I'm pretty. It down. It's absurd, but I don't mind a bit of absurd comedy and stuff like that. I'm into it. But absurd um, and very specific, I would say. <laughs> I think I like if you like, yeah, if you watch thirty seconds and you're like, oh, this is funny, I like this, then mm. you'll love the whole show. Yeah. If you're like, what the hell is going on? I think it's hard to convince people sometimes, but you never know. But that was your number five. Number five. So what's, what's number four? Uh, number four, I stuck with comedy as well. What? And some easy viewing. That was on. a rough year. I think I just had to, although it does get pretty dramatic towards the end. But yeah. there's a lot of comedy in my list. So my number four is the BBC HBO Max co-pro rom-com series Starstruck. Oh, oh that that was my number nine. Oh, Yes, it dropped down, but it was part of my top 10. It's a great series. Mm. Oh, I'll let you talk about it. I don't want to take <laughs> no, it. No, let's go in. So I had <laughs> this and um, We Are Lady Parts 
as sort mm-hmm. of, I was tossing up between the two of them. I love both of them. This one, I don't know, just got over the line. I think Rose Matafeo, mm-hmm. such a charming lead. Uh, but yeah, with this, it's basically gender swapped Notting Hill, right? This with uh, yeah, Matafeo having a one night stand with a famous movie star, and that yeah. kind of turns into that yeah hilarious moving love story that we don't get to see anymore. We don't get to see any. What happened? Well, no, I was just saying it's six episodes, thirty minutes. Yeah, if that per episode. So it's it's mm. pretty much a two and a half hour rom com movie. Because mm, you're saying there won't be a season two or anything like oh, continuation no, of the story. There will be, but they don't really like, we don't get to see rom-coms at the cinema anymore. I think oh, the rom-com right. is now has moved over to like a six part miniseries or a six part That is series. a good point, Max. Cause I've been watching a few screeners and things that are coming through and it seems to be, I feel like 2022 will be more like that as well. Mm. More of like a starstruck kind of year where you have like those, like you said, your two and a half or six by half hour like little rom-com series that are really quaint and beautiful with great leads and a nice like love story with a bit of unrequited unrequited love in there or what they think is unrequited love it's beautiful I like I love Starstruck I'm a a big sucker for a nice romantic comedy but a decent one with a bit of depth it can be a bit of comedy and all that but it needs to be you know that kind of level and she's so funny the jokes are funny the yeah. chemistry between the two leads is electric. Exactly. Yeah. It's great. And it's good to see, um, not that I'm, you know, I'm not bagging the characters, but like good to see like normal people in this situation, not mm. like those big Hollywood actresses <laughs> that are like glamorous and model material. And it's good to see someone you can relate to, right? To yeah. think, oh, this could happen or could have happened to me when I was younger because now I'm too old for this. But, yes, so that was refreshing, I think. It was the most refreshing thing about yeah. Starstruck. It's good. I think uh, I, was, I was reading an article about Rose Matafeo and they interviewed her for a movie that she did. I can't remember the name at yeah. the moment. Basically, she's, she was saying that she's more than just the ethnically ambiguous best mm-hmm. friend, which her career up until that point had been. Yeah. And now this is sort of, yeah, giving her her own opportunity to shine. And, and she, she does. does. She nails it. She's exceptional. And, yeah, and then on the flip side you've got Nikesh Patel who is the male lead just in there as like acting as the biggest Hollywood star. In that world, yes. Yeah, in that world. So, yeah. which is also great, like that sort of representation to have on screen and yeah, I love have it. a person of colour be the biggest movie star in the world. And he's so cool and smooth and he's so nice, like down to earth. So it represents something that we probably don't see a lot of, but I'm sure there's like stars out there like that. <laughs> mm. Are there Max? I don't know. He's just a great character. Yeah. I loved him. He is. Yeah. He was beautiful. Oh my God. How could you not tell me this? I did. What do you do? I'm a nutter. Oh, no thanks. Tom Kapoor is a famous actor. And you're a little rat nobody. Harsh, but it's true. I am forever a stain on a sexual history. You're number four, Denise. Oh, you're number four. Take a wild guess. It's Wentworth. It's oh, season nine. Nice. Again, another Fox still production. Australian. Um, I think everyone knows this one, right? I don't have to give a big spiel on what it is. It's the greedy women's prison drama. Hmm. Um I think we spoke about this one early in an earlier podcast and I think I hopefully said the same thing, um, that I did not love the final season as much as previous seasons, but that's only because I wanted more. Mm. And by that I mean like I just wanted like the performances are so great in Wentworth, like all the, the villains that come through and all the like the plots, the twists and turns that the series takes um, and I think the two stars for me were obviously Pamela Rabe, who plays a freak, and Kate Box, who plays Lou Kelly, who's a new top dog or was a new top dog in the last season. And I just think, Max, we needed another season with Kate Box as <laughs> the top dog, like the reign of Lou Kelly. That was my biggest kind of like that was the only thing that kind of helped me back from saying, well, this is the best season, like the best mm. series of all time. It was that, that it just needed to keep going, I think. Yeah. Um, 
that's, and yeah, it just seems like all the really, I mean, there have been a lot of great actors that have come through, but in terms of villains, the freak and Luke Kelly are just the most exciting thing I've seen on television. And I just wanted that to keep going. That's mm. it. It does get so hard. So that was my number four. It gets hard the longer it goes on, right? Like I think like Mr. In Between ending after three seasons, you're kind of mm. okay with that. But yeah. yeah, something that's gone for eight, nine seasons, the longer it goes on, the more attached you are, the more you don't want yes. it to end it. Yes. gets harder to stick to the landing. Yeah, I did cry. <laughs> I did cry with this one. It just because it was something too that I started watching with the hubby, I think when we first got married. So it was our, you know, yeah, it, it was our series. So we watched mm. that from the beginning for so many years. And having that end is like, oh no. Yeah, what's see, our it's next? like it's a decade, right? Close to a decade <laughs> that you just sort of on that journey. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So that's another like, yeah, emotional attachment <laughs> series for me. <laughs> Do you want to hear my number three? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, my number three is Succession number three, season three. So we've been talking about this other whole, what, the last 10 weeks or so, nine yeah, weeks? Yeah, nine weeks. Mm. Yes. Um, we all know why we love this series. It's just, it's what it is. It's like the relationships, really. It's a relationship drama. Mm. It's, um, I like the fact that it's a family that you know, reach such awkward moments and ridiculous moments with, you know, all the stuff that got um, got up onto and actions and decisions. But it was also very tragic. Mm. He had tragic characters and tragic falls and Shakespearean kind of level tragic. It was beautiful. Um, and I think, I don't know if you agree with me, Max, but I think season three, having watched the whole season, and spoiler alert, everyone, is that um, it, I think it ultimately tries to bond the Roy children together to mobilize them against their monster of a father. Mm. Um, and the way that it ends, again, is so tragic. The betrayal is, <laughs> it's deep and it's mum and Tom. And it's, it's just like, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it for that, but I also mm. hated it for that, if that makes sense. No, it's, and yeah. I have to also add, um, having cameos by Adrian Brody and Alexander Skarsgård were a tick for me. Yeah, just the um, cherry on top. Yes, exactly. They were the cherry on top mm. and they they played their roles exception, like they were exceptional and they, they added so much to the series, I think. I, keep, I kind of feel like they should be doing that more with Succession, just bring some stars like of that magnitude that are yeah. willing to get completely immersed into their evil roles and you know it's a hard it's a hard one to balance though because then you do you get like then you get too almost stunt casty yeah when you're the biggest show in the world i think they could probably get whoever they wanted like they could maybe exactly. yeah give denzel a call he comes in but then <laughs> yeah. you yeah then you sort of it's like that stunt cast of the week sort of thing yeah, I guess tough... if it's not overdone, no, yeah, I I would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It. They just they have to, yeah, toe that line, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. I'm glad you put this on because I didn't put it on my list. Not <gasps> you to say didn't that succession on no, your list. <laughs> I really liked it. I oh, I love this season. Like we spoke about it. I think because we have been speaking about it for so long, I kind of wanted to talk yeah. about some other shows. But yeah, yeah, it's probably like my number six or something. Hmm. That's I loved good. it and I have to go back and do a rewatch just with mm -hmm. sort of fresh eyes or something. But, yeah, yeah this season was incredible. It was. And I it had to just, keep it in my top five. Yeah, it was so good, <laughs> but there was so much good stuff. A lot of the series I picked are sort of based off the actual, like me liking the character more or the performances. Mm -hmm. oh, actually, not even the performances, just the characters, mm -hmm. whereas the performances in Succession are incredible, but I'm not <laughs> like drawn fully to those characters and i think no one is right that, that's the whole point it's that thing of like the anti-hero and mm. and seeing how, what's going to happen to them and how they deal with being who they are right mm. yeah it's interesting that you you've said that because i've looked at a variety of things like i mentioned earlier it's more about what made me want to binge things or my, what made me kind of like that was a must watch for me this year because there were a lot of great series some that mm. kind of like La why the last man for me was one of the best pilots i've seen this year but then the whole 
like the series kind of took a downward turn for me. So it was like I couldn't add that to my list because it kind of Mm. started to disappoint me. Yeah, you got to look at it as a whole. Mm. So I was looking at the series as a whole and looking at what drew me the most and what kept me watching and talking to Mm. people about about it. And, yeah, definitely succession. Even though we have talked to, you know, (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> talked about it so much and killed it. But yeah, I thought you might put it on the list. So that that was sort of my cop out way of getting to talk about <laughs> it without actually having to put it on my oh, list. Smart. Getting to slot another show in there. Am I that predictable? Yes, I am. Well, yeah, that's fine. Well, it's, uh, one of us had to put it on there. But yeah, incredible <laughs> yes. season. Like you were saying, very Shakespearean, tragedy, comedy. Mm-hmm. And then I think the beauty of the show is that it's also almost has that sort of like reality TV. Mm. to it where everyone is so obsessed with the Murdochs and the Trumps and that family yeah. and what happens in that family. Like if there was a documentary, like a real family of the Trumps, yeah. probably be the biggest show on TV. So this yeah, is sort true. of, yeah, it's like playing both those ends of the highfalutin Shakespearean drama and then the grimy gutter of <laughs> reality trash TV. TV. I love, yeah, mm. I love that, Max. That's very insightful. Meets perfectly in the middle. I didn't have that in my notes. Yeah, well, yeah, it's only taken me nine episodes of a recap podcast to come up with that take. That was great. What are we up to? Number two. Well, my number three. Oh, sorry. Max, you're number three. <laughs> How rude. Go my on. number three is Hacks. Oh, yes. Good series. So this one, yeah, the HBO Max title... Uh, with starring Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. Smart starring as Deborah Vance, uh, established veteran comedian in that vein of sort of Joan Rivers, even Ellen, I would say, with Ellen's current behavior and <laughs> the news surrounding her, uh, who nice. allegedly, maybe, I don't know if I have to allegedly, say that. Allegedly, yes. Uh, but who's basically performing the same set to a sold-out Vegas crowd every night in a residency and then very comfortable putting her name on any product that will sell on the shopping channel during the day on TV. And then, yeah, on the other side, you've got Einbinder as Ava, as a young comedian slash writer who's recently been cancelled for a tweet mm. and is sort of angry at the world, thinks she should be bigger than she is, and then the two of them coming together. So you kind of have that beautiful commentary on old school, new school comedy and yes. then gender disparity in comedy, mm. cancel culture, uh, ageism, it just like ties everything. So yeah, the critiques that it does on all these little pockets of the industry are incredible. Yeah. So nuanced and well done. Spot on. That's a good one, Max. Mm. I actually love um, Hacks, but I had it as number 10 mm. on my list. So because <laughs> there were so many other things but. The only reason it was that low for me, obviously, you have gone on a comedy, obviously comedy mm. road, and I've kind of like stuck more to the dra- the ones that pulled the strings that way, like made me cry and kind of like you know. But in terms of comedies, I think it will be one of the be the best this year, perhaps. Yeah, well, I will say that. Oh, you do have some other. There are some others, but I haven't mm. watched complete. I haven't watched them com- like in c- their completeness, so it's like I can't judge. Yeah, if I haven't watched the whole thing. In saying that, though, I'd say that there are those moments of drama in it. I think Mm. the end with the, as a spoiler warning, the death Mm. of her dad uh, was, yeah, quite emotional. And then even the confrontation that Gene Smart and Einbinder's character have at the end is pretty dramatic as well and pretty confronting. It is, but I find this one, I found Hacks more lighter than Mm. all the other so-called dramedies because of the, the process. The whole thing is about comedy, and yes, there's a dark undertones about what drives um, Jean Smart's character, and obviously, um, I forget her name. What's the character's name? Ava. Ava. Mm. Ava's character and her background and her story. But overall, like, I think the winner in this series was those lines, those funny lines, yeah. and the, the process of coming up with those jokes and trying to like work collab their collaboration to make that work as well, mm. like the the young, the old and the new coming together to create good yeah. comedy for the times kind of thing. Mm. It was good. I like that. Well, their, their like chemistry that. is amazing as well. Yes. To kind of go back so to Starstruck and the chemistry in there. Yeah, you have yeah. this like platonic 
chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. That's really great. Though it does get sexual at some at one point. I think um, Ava has a dream. Yeah. Ava had some kind of fantasy. Sex dream. She was a little bit awkward, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah I think uh, this show doesn't work if the jokes aren't believable and yeah. or funny. Well, and yeah. that's where I think a lot of shows about comedy, not mm. comedy shows, but like comedy shows about comedy sort of mm-hmm. fall down. I'm thinking specifically of that I'm Dying Up Here show that was set nice. in the comedy club, in the comedy store in LA, uh, produced by Jim Carrey. But mm. it's sort of, yeah, interesting premise. You have all those like these up-and-coming comedians around the time that Richard Pryor was coming up and all there in the comedy club. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, really interesting story. There's been heaps of stories that have come out about that. But at the end of the day, whenever one of them would get up on stage, they weren't funny and what they were saying wasn't funny. The jokes weren't funny. Yeah. So it just, yeah, kind of fell flat. Whereas this, mm. because Einbeiner is actually a comedian and the creators, the three creators are really great comedy writers and comedians in their own right, it really works. And Jean Smart's such a great performer. She pulls yeah, it off. exactly. Exactly. Maybe next year we should look at dramedies and like like we should break up our categories so we can, you know, our genre so we mm. don't. Uh, there's got to be a bit of tension in there. you got to make some cuts sometimes. Yeah, true. true. So, Although Mr. In Between had a few funny moments mm, in there, Yeah, you know, in a dark way. So there uh, you go. That's my, that's my contribution. Number two. Um, yes, number two for you or for me. Uh, you can go. Okay. Number I'm two. doing this. Don't laugh. It's Squid Game. Nice. Yes, it's Squid Game because I know it was the biggest thing and kind of it's still the biggest thing in this household with the kid constantly wanting to find out <laughs> what happened. the story of Squid Game because <laughs> I won't, he's only eight and obviously he's not going to watch this until he's much older. But the kids at school are talking about it. The you know Everyone's talking about it in, at parties. There's so good it's life up. lessons in there, you know. <laughs> kid lessons for children? <laughs> Yeah, yes. well, you don't want to end up in a squid game. <laughs> don't be a gambler mm-hmm. and don't let anyone pick you up in a bus. No, it was really good. I love the fact that it was the it was pretty much, Max, the only series that I binged this year. Mm, that was it. Great. It was squid game. Um, not only because it was available, but because of the, the action. You wanted to know what was going to yeah. happen to these people playing these kids' games, you know, for like deadly stakes and, you know, <laughs> getting killed and mm. and that conversation your... around it too there was like a real urgency yes around it that you right? felt like if you didn't catch up it was everywhere so you were going to get spoiled if you didn't exactly of, yeah exactly on it, which is great great marketing by netflix it is great marketing and it's a great series and i'm glad that a korean series has actually come up to the top and you mm. know done so well this year it's good to see that um of course, there's the whole critique and commentary on our society in general, mm-hmm. which I liked about um, these people playing children's games and like in a serious setup and having that dichotomy of the and the divide of the rich and the poor and how we're all like puppets to all these. Yeah. You know, you know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to stop there. <laughs> so the main I do like that. Yes. We're all in a squid game. <laughs> Life is one big squid game. Till this day, though, Max, I have no idea how you play the Squid Game, the actual game Squid Game. I'm still confused. Oh, I don't yeah. understand it. <laughs> That's a, Do yeah, you understand the one, it? No, I got no idea. I have the no idea. The one shortcoming of the show. Yes, and I was watching, um, my son was watching a Mr. Beast video on YouTube mm. who actually recreated Squid Game, but it was obviously a PG version. No one was getting killed and, you know, shot or yeah. anything like that. But um, the final game in his Squid Game was musical chairs. I thought, <laughs> damn it, that's a good idea. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, and someone actually won in Mr. Beast's um, game. They won like, it was $450,000, which was yeah. decent for a YouTube mm. show, right? Mm. Um, but, yeah, and the fact, going back to the real Squid Game, the series from uh, in Netflix, um, the fact that um, the hubby watched this one too because the, very, he's, the hubby doesn't like, he just likes films. Mm. So to get, and Wentworth, and to get him to sit down to binge watch a series with me um, hasn't happened for a long time. And I think that's a testament to how good the series was, to get someone yeah. who will not commit to anything longer than 90 minutes to two hours. And subtitled it's, too. And subtitled, exactly. Mm. 
um, is, yeah, testament to how good it is. And it was good. Yeah, I that was amazing. It. This is another just, one I kind of hoped you'd put on here so that we could talk about so it. So you can, you can jump on <laughs> so that bandwagon too, Max. But yeah, I thought it was great. I binged it too, or at least sort of, yeah, a few episodes to sort of catch up with the discourse. Great performances. Yes. Yeah, kind of edgy seat moments, the perfect blend of action, mm. bit of comedy, bit of drama, yeah. just had all of the above. Yeah, it's really good, really mm. well made. I look forward to more dramas like this. I yeah. really do. And a season two, yeah. maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have the eight-year-old telling me what he thinks is going to happen, so he's already <laughs> drafting season two. Cool. <laughs> he hasn't even Keep, watched the get first Get him writing. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. <laughs> What's your number two, Max? Uh, my number two is The Good Fight, season Ooh. five. Yeah, I've been talking about this. Yeah, we spoke about this in a previous mm. podcast. This show is probably like one of the most consistent shows on TV, I find. Uh, if you look at it as a legal drama, I think it's close to perfect. Wow. The kings don't really rest on their laurels in just creating a stock standard legal drama. They just sort of go nuts. They push the boundaries. Each season sort of has its own, yeah, its own reality. So they're sort of setting up, well, they're they're basing each season on current events. So one season's about Trump and you'll kind of be hearing about issues in the show that have just come out that week or maybe a couple of weeks prior. And for the turnaround of a scripted drama to be that present is pretty amazing in and of itself. And then they'll, like, I think one season they had the Trump P-tape was quite a big thing. And I think a lot of shows might reference that, but they went the extra mile and basically confirmed that it exists in the reality of the show, the P-tape exists. And then there was a whole Jeffrey Epstein thing Mm -hmm. where they confirmed that his penis was on his private island in a glass Mm -hmm. tank. They confirmed that exists. And they're just, like, pushing the boundaries of what the show's reality is whilst also being super grounded in current everyday events. So they crossed over, Max. They crossed mm. over from fiction and tapped into actual real things that were happening in real time, right? Yeah, it's really, or, really well done. Yeah. They do it so well. I think you, it could be gimmicky like a Law & Order thing, you know, where sometimes like a mm. Law & Order episode will be, will take a case ripped from the headlines and they just yeah. sort of almost play it out word for word. Whereas this mm. is, yeah, they're putting their own little spit on it. And then you it's get good. the performances of, yeah, Mandy Patinkin shows up in this season as a, that's sort of the big overlying uh, arch of this season is that they're criticizing the entire legal system, which I've never mm-hmm. really seen a um, legal drama do. But he sets up his own court, basically, in the back of a, Office works, printer, copier business. Oh, wow. And then it establishes himself as a judge. People come in, sort of sign a, a contract that he makes, telling them that his decision is binding. And then because the legal system is failing people and they're waiting months to get a, yeah, to get a court case, to get a appeal, to, yeah, to go through that system. So they bypass that straight to him. And then it kind of grows and grows and grows. Yeah, I should. I really need to get onto that. You've been talking about it for ages and mm. raving on about it. So I need to. I need to start watching. They just find really good way, like really creative ways of trying to fit into that legal drama mold, and then breaking out of that mold as well. Yeah, yeah it's really impressive. The episode one of season five addresses season four because season four got cut short because of COVID. So mm. they couldn't finish the season. And then so episode one of season five is called Previously On and it's <laughs> just a collection of clips that go for five minutes and after every clip it just says Previously On and it just wraps oh. up every storyline that they wanted to do in the previous one in like little, yeah, little five-minute clips. So then oh, yeah. by episode two, all the characters are where they want them to be and then they just start the season again. So it becomes a time jump 
right, in essence, mm. which is both creative, very creative, and yeah. strange because then why wouldn't you include those little previously on previously on stories as a new season? Like it's just yeah. Well, I think a lot of yeah, a lot of shows would probably be like, oh, we've got four four episodes we haven't yeah. filmed last season. Let's film that. Let's add them onto the new season. Yeah. And they're like, no, that's not what this season is about. We've got a storyline we've got to get through for season five. So let's just put wow. an episode. Let's just do a quick, this is I what like happened it. to Julius's character. This is what happened to Diane yeah. in a five-minute thing. <laughs> Resolve it and then we're on to the next one. That's pretty cool actually. Mm. Yeah. So there's five seasons here, Max? Five seasons, yeah. For the good fight? Okay, cool. I might take me all holidays to do, but I can do this <laughs> slowly. It. Totally worth it. Oh, have we reached number one? Yeah, number one. I hope I got this right, actually, because <laughs> when I was writing this list, I was like, did this air this year? Mm. Has it been that long? Do, do you want me to go first? Sure. Lay it on me. Mayor of Easttown. Big. So. Big show. It, it can't be something, like, we can't ignore this one or not have it in the top ten, but for me, it was number one. Yeah. Because when I was watching it, it kind of also satisfied that the type of viewing that I was doing. So mm. you're watching episodes week to week, you know, you can't wait to see what's happening. Like you, you couldn't binge this one. So you yeah. had to, you know, stay on top of it every Monday and kind of watch what happens next. Um, get, created like an anticipation every week. Like, and again, that was the water cooler kind of series I talked to all my friends about and everyone that was watching it at work. Mm. is it you was could, epic you could theorize know, who's a killer exactly yeah, it's the great. whodunit aspect mm. as well which i think i enjoy doing with you did we record about mirror of east town did um, we record anything I'm not sure we definitely had conversations yeah absolutely so mm. and i think you guessed you're very good at you're very good at guessing the killer max <laughs> i'm starting to get a little bit worried about you and how well you well, know i got inside yeah well yeah so to spoil it I'll put it like skip ahead maybe a minute, 30 seconds if you don't want to know the killer. Yeah. There's that, yeah, that scene right at the start, the son comes out crying, mm. which was a weird because he hadn't found out who the killer was yet or who the, yeah. who had been killed yet. And that mm. sort of, that's what I raised with everyone and I got shot down. But oh, you were right. I didn't know he was the killer. I just thought he was sus. Connected, somehow connected, connected some to way. the killer or mm. the event, right? Because for a minute there, I thought, uh, is the kid capable of killing someone? Could it have been the kid because mm. of that scene? But obviously that was too obvious. And, you know, we all know how this ended. Well, you do. But, that's, it's good writing because you do have that. Is this person, you always have to ask, is this person capable? Exactly. And then even if there are a lot of people who think it's the kid, I think you wipe out quite a lot of theories because... Yeah, a lot of people would think a kid isn't capable mm-hmm. of it. So then, yeah, you kind of get those people wiped out and then they're exactly. onto whoever the next guess is. So it's smart. Yes, it is smart. So instead of doing what you did and going, well, it's not the kid, he's not capable, but maybe the daddy's like that kind of mm. thing. Like why would he be so upset? That's very smart, Max. You are very smart. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this for me, Apart from the whole whodunit aspect, the whole weekly drop and viewing and kind of like the cliffhangers week to week, all that, I just love the performances like I think everyone did um, and the star power, obviously. You've got Kate Winslet and Jean Smart again and Julianne Nicholson who were brilliant. Mm. Um, yeah, I did I did like, I really like Jean Smart in this too. So Hacks and this, she's yeah. really shiny, like she's really killing it right now. I really like Jean Smart. So. Mm. Mm. So that will be my number one. And, of course, it's a, a primetime Emmy Award winner, picked up four awards for that. And there were whispers of it becoming a, a continuing, like, a you know, having a season yeah. two. Don't know if that's going to happen, but it should. I uh, hope so. And, yeah. In the same way incredible. that Mr. In Between is a great vehicle for Scott Ryan. Ryan. Mm. This is just a great vehicle for Kate Winslet. And yeah. that character is so good and so grumpy and so, yes, yeah, takes no <laughs> bullshit. I'd watch her once a week, like, for the whole year. If you just yeah, so make, make it like a network 22-episode series, I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. 
It's that good. She's mm. that good of a character. Again, more of a down-to-earth kind of raw yeah. character that people could identify with, you know, mm. going through what she's been through. It was good. It was interesting to see in the series too that even though she lost a son to suicide and she was obviously devastated and, you know, destroyed by it, she was still she, – she reminds me of a lot of people that I know who have been through something horrific like that and close upon themselves, like they don't mm. share – that I, it's not that they don't want to accept the tragedy, but they just hold it all on their shoulders and kind yeah. of don't, you know, she played that role. Like a, I could see someone like that around me who could deal with that tragedy the way she does. She moves on mm. and she just tries to like keep it all inside her, which is obviously breaking her, but it's yeah. such a great yeah, performance. It's brilliant. Mm. Max, what's your number one? I can tell you're busting to tell me. <laughs> My number one is for all mankind season two. Ooh on apple tv plus yeah so this one kind of came to me when i was making the list and i was trying to i was actively trying not to go for the most recent titles so i think that's just yeah. what kept coming to my mind uh this one came out in feb i think but it's the sort of alternate history space race drama yes uh so in season one you have america russia going for the moon landing and then it's a, more of a what What if Russia lands on the moon first instead mm-hmm. of America? And then the beauty of it is that subtlety, that butterfly effect subtlety where it's not a huge sci-fi space show, but mm-hmm. Russia landing first triggers all these little events that means America needs to be at something else. And then what's the next best thing? Oh, it's putting the first female on the moon and putting more money into space because... America never got there first, so they need to innovate more and the rockets are bigger and, yeah, there's more people in space and they're like they're setting up an actual base on Mars. It's just really cool. Again, the butterfly effect. If this happened, maybe this would happen. I don't know. I don't think I watched it in Feb, but to your point of looking back and thinking how I watched a show, I watched. Mm-hmm. I heard that season two was really good. A lot of people were saying just get through season one, season two will like it's rewarding, it'll pay off. So I sort of binge mm. season one, went straight into season two. And I really liked season one as well. I think it was a great season. And season two again, yeah, it's amazing. So I kind of binged them back to back and I was just, yeah, obsessed. The performances are amazing. Uh, Joel Kinnaman, who's usually mm-hmm. a bit wooden and doesn't have too much personality to him, but he really suits his character as sort of this uh, military He's not playing a Russian, is he? Because you no. could see him playing a Russian. <laughs> no, he's like, yeah, he's an astronaut. But yep. in that way, NASA is working so closely with the military, the army, and mm-hmm. because it's such, so much more of a priority now, NASA, that he almost plays like a soldier, but his persona suits that so well. Like these are kind of soldiers now. And mm-hmm. I think they mention it in the show, like the moon is the next battlefield. Wow. And then you have the cold war and the yeah tensions boiling between Russia and America because they're both established on the moon now they have their own sections and then you have these astronauts up there and things going wrong and all that yeah them having no connection with earth and having to deal with it themselves up there on the moon that's really wow cool. there's okay, a lot of levels maybe... there's a lot of characters yeah and i think that juggling act they pull off incredibly well when you think about it it's just so you get enough time with every character every astronaut the people back on earth i think a standout from michael dorman australia's own michael dorman Mm -hmm. who yeah plays another astronaut and really gets into like the ptsd of being Mm -hmm. up there on the moon and wanting to be on earth and then being on earth and wanting to be that up there on the moon Mm. yeah it's a great performance he plays like kind of vacant (laughs) stare but like really sad behind the eyes so well it's incredible yeah he's a great actor one of australia's great actors i would say Mm. okay now you i'm sold i think on your list Mm. max maybe this is my holiday viewing yeah it sounds really good it's a bit it's a slow burn but it is rewarding Mm. and i think apple are putting so much money into invasion foundation trying to find that next big sci-fi hit when i think they already have two seasons of arguably one of the best sci-fi shows 
on the yeah on TV at the moment. It's not yeah. hard sci-fi, mm. but it is science fiction in a way. Alternate history, science fiction, I like it. Mm. It's a good uh, genre blending happening there. Yeah. Are there any other seasons, any more seasons coming for All Mankind? Yeah, so there's, uh, there is a, a third season coming and mm-hmm. season two ends with a bomb in a way, like a big, what? not a bomb bomb, but like it's a, it's a big ending and right. they're, they're time jumping to, uh, for season three, which they cool. also time jumped in season two. Hmm. So each season they're sort of, I think the creator's uh, main goal was to maybe time jump 10, 20 years each season hmm. so that you're sort of seeing how the events of the previous season impact the future. Right. So this, the first two seasons were the same cast. You had a few people aged up and it mm-hmm. sort of, yeah, allowed for them to be carried over into the next season. I think season three will be the most part of all new cast. I could be wrong. Wow. And then, yeah, hopefully it keeps going until it just gets really sci-fi. Yeah. That'd, that'd be amazing. Yes. So this starts to become like the space race drama into, comp- yeah, mm, veering like, off yeah, into sci-fi. Could possibly go anywhere. Yeah. How do you feel about those time jumps, Max? Like is there one character they can follow through or a group of characters that can follow through these time jumps? Yeah, I think there's quite a few, like, the astro- you see the astronauts and their families as well. Mm. And they also have like those weird I Dream a Genie houses and like coming home to their wives and all that kind of thing. But there's kids in that in the first season who are like watching their dads go to space. And then those kids age up in the next season. So you could have maybe one of those kids aged up again to carry through. And then uh, I think it's Margot who. There's another character who sort of starts off in NASA as just sort of an analyst and then works her way up to like one co-heads of NASA or head of NASA. And she's still maybe mid-30s. So time jump again, she'll probably be a lot older, but she'll still probably be in there. Yeah, so you might still have some characters carrying over, but mm. there's enough young and old characters that, that, that yeah, the transition should be fine, hoping. So do I, because I find that um shows that I can't think of a single one now, but the ones that time jump many years, mm. I feel like you lose that connection with anyone you formed a bond with. Yeah, you know, like Jose becomes old now, so you're like, oh no, like yeah. Whereas I think Foundation's doing that well, so that's jumping decades as well, right? Or mm. a lot of years. And you see, because the Empire are basically the same three actors <laughs> taking yeah. turns, right? You kind of feel like, oh, there's a familiar face. Like <laughs> I know who I'm following now. Okay, yeah. it's your turn now. The kid's now the brother day and like there's that. Not that you, I don't know if I like <laughs> the Empire, but you know what I mean? Like that yeah. familiarity with season mm. one and or episode one or, you know, yeah. the previous episode. So, yeah, I find that that needs to be handled very well to to have massive time jumps in a series. Mm. But regardless of all this, your list sounds really awesome. It's a good mixture of um, (laughs) comedy and sci-fi and a little bit male-skewed, which is fine. That's true. Well, Starstruck hacks. That's not that male. Except for that. that. Two out of three. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. two out of five. It's not bad. Not a bad ratio. (laughs) The good fight. That's pretty. Oh, that's true. Oh, well, hang on a second. Okay, all right. Okay, so Actually, you're more neutral. That's fine. That's yeah. neutral. But um, it would be good to get uh, feedback from listeners, wouldn't it, to see what they mm. like more or if they have their own top five for the year. Good timing because I just made a email address, which is the small screen podcast at gmail.com. So if you have any suggestions or any uh, abuse feedback for the, our top five list, yeah, criticisms. <laughs> Then yeah, feel free to send it through to that, the small screen podcast at gmail.com. And Denise will love to hear from you. Write back to you personally. Yes, over I will. the holiday break. Yes, of course. <laughs> I will spend my three weeks of holidays responding to you. <laughs> responding to the loads of emails I'm sure we're gonna get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed our show this year, our ten episodes. 
Mm, it's, it's, it's a good, good little show because we explore a lot of different series. We watch a lot of TV and have a lot to say about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just looking at those lists, my big, like the big lists, there's a lot of TV that I watched. Did you want to mention any of the um, honorable, honorable mentions that you had? Or the oh, series yeah, that's that a good point. Um, yeah. I don't know. Station 11 was kind of my big one. I felt like I would have loved to mm. see how that progressed and sort of, yeah. Yeah. What would have happened with that? Uh, Evil was another good one from oh, yes. the Hacks team. I'm sorry, not the Hacks team. From the Kings, the Good Fight team. And then, yeah, that's kind of about it. Uh, I really liked, what else? Our Vigil is probably the only other one. Yes. Uh, that's another one I was watching week to week and I thought that was quite good. Same. I did like Vigil and I liked The Flight Attendant too mm. um, with Kaylee Cuoco. That was a good series. Refreshing and fun and yeah. I like that. That was good. Um, Total Control that I've been begging on for like how many podcasts? And Shadow and Bone. I think that was this oh, year, wasn't yeah. it? Bit of fantasy. Yes. Yeah, I think a bit so. of fantasy. I've got a good list there, Max. I've got like <laughs> crime and I've got like Squid Game and Succession, Wentworth, prison dramas, like fantasy. It's like all over the shop. Well, but I think that's if what anyone makes it wants, exciting. If anyone wants the full list, send mm. us an email. Denise yes. will send through. Full, a full list, a full viewing list of 2021. Yes, sounds good. Maybe our predictions for 2022 too. You never know. Mm. Especially Max is quite the oracle. So <laughs> just letting you know. That, that can be our first pod back in the <laughs> yep. new year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll probably take a break, a few weeks off over Christmas, New Year. Yes. Decompress and then we'll be back better than ever in the new year. Yes. Um, can I wish everyone a happy and safe Christmas and um, wear your masks in crowded places. <laughs> and here's to our normal 2022, everyone. Sounds good to me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.